So we are in part 11 of our series and our study of the book of John. Our opening question this evening is, have you ever had an experience of supernatural provision? Have you ever had an experience of supernatural provision? Yes, God wants us to work. Yes, God wants, wants us to invest. Yes, God wants us to save. You know, if you've been following the um, fresh fire, you earn some, you save some, you invest some, no loss, spend less, no loss, give more, faith it. And yes, God wants us to um, um, be responsible and and generate an income and sustain our line of income and multiply our streams of income. Now, however, there comes a time in, in everybody's life where you need a divine intervention. You need a miracle. <laughs> you know? And God has made it clear to us that, yeah, it's going to happen and, and I will come through for you. So has anybody experienced a supernatural provision that is only God that could have done it. And you want to share it, anybody? Um, otherwise, I call my usual suspect. <laughs> okay, yes, there's a, there's a hand there. Um, and there's a hand at the back. Good evening, church. Good evening. Um, when I started working in Corona, I just got my offer letter and... and um, what we're going to pay me. So I told God, I said, okay, my first salary, I would give it to you as thanksgiving for provision. And so, and they gave me a list that, um, you're going to be a class teacher, you have to come dressed, so, 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 and so. And I didn't have money to buy clothes because if I if hadn't given money to God, I would have used that money to buy myself something. So a couple I, was, I worked with before I got my job in Corona, the man is like a father to me, called and said, um, Ruth, Everything you need, your clothes, cl shoes, everything, just make a list. My wife will take you to the boutique and she, she will buy, she would, whatever you pick, Amen. they will pay. And that was what happened. God, I couldn't, you know, and God even gave me an accommodation Amen. to where, I, I used to live with my brother in Obanikoro. I got a job on Adela, a place at Adela Odeko, my friend's house. So I didn't pay for transport. And God, God gave me transport. God gave me clothes for Amen. that session. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Awesome. God always honors those that honor him. That's how it works. Um, there's another hand right there. Praise the Lord. Okay. Mine was um, the, where I was actually living before. My, when my landlord took me to, my former landlord took me to court. And um, uh, after the court uh, thing, and they asked me that I should live in six months' time. So I was really, really scared. And I went looking for a house. I got a house. After getting the house, I called my wife to go check the house. She accepted it, and she said, it's fine. She said, how much are you paying? I told her, this is the amount I have. And she said, okay, if you have this kind of amount, go and buy and get the land. And within me, I was like, ah, 
This is the only cash I have. I don't have any money anywhere. How, will I get, how can I buy a land and at the same time uh, build a house? She said, just get it first. Besides, you are a member in this community. You've played soccer for them, so they know you very well. The landlords know you. The ballets here, they know you. So she said, just do it. And within me, I was like, I prayed over it. I said, God, how do you want to do it? And something told me that. Just obey your wife. That's all simple. Just obey your wife. Just obey her. Simple. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I paid. And there's a company that is actually owing me a lot of money. I work for them and they pay after three months. 90, they, they pay after 90 days. And before then, the following day I went to work. It was a supernatural uh, uh, gift from God. Amen. They paid me all my cash and Amen. I lifted the house up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Supernatural provision. I know we can. There's a lot. Okay, but let's just take one, then, uh, then we'll go on. <laughs> there will be enough time to contribute. Yeah. Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, ten years ago, I, um, I wanted to um, uh, do my master's. So the only issue was I didn't have the money. And... Um, it was in the U.S., but I, I looked for a government school, but I couldn't get one. So it turned out it was a private school. Um, the amount, the school fees was about $65,000, apart from rent and all that. Um, at the end of the day, God provided, and I was able to attend the school. I only spent 5000 of my own money. Wow. Um, it wasn't the key part. It wasn't as if I was an A student or something. Mm. No, I wasn't. Um, it was just God. The school took care of everything and just told me uh, just the 5,000. So, Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, and thank God for the A students that will get scholarship. That is also God's provision. Praise the Lord. And, I mean... So it shows you that even if you are not an A student, God can still provide. Okay, yeah, I thought I saw Judith sitting somewhere. Why are you guys sitting so far apart? <laughs> okay, our text is John chapter 6 from verse 1 to 15. Oh, you had a hand up. No worry, we'll, we'll get there. John 6 from verse 1 to 16. Are we together? Okay, it says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And that is so important because John was, was writing to people in Ephesus. And people in Ephesus knows this sea as the Sea of Tiberias, um, Tiberias not the Sea of of Galilee. And, and it's so important that even as people, we need to speak the language that our community understands. Otherwise, you'll just be strange. Say, these Christians are strange. And that's a good example for us. Verse 2 A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous sign. As he healed the sick, then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish 
Passover celebrations. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, oh God, even if we worked for months, and that translation says, even a whole year's wage, salary, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do these miraculous signs, they exclaimed, what else are we waiting for? Surely, he's the prophet we have been expecting. This has the fast, has fast fingers. Though. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. The Lord bless the reading and understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we see, the, the Bible says that Jesus crossed from, he had just finished, um, in chapter 5, he has just finished healing the man that was lame for 38 years. Do you remember that? Okay, good. And that was somewhere here. And um, Jesus crossed from this side to this side of the Sea of Galilee so that he can just um, have some time away with his, with his disciples. But you see, the, the Bible says that people followed him. So when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee, the people were <laughs> going across Jordan. Thousands of people following Jesus. So while Jesus got to Galilee, obviously first, I sat down with his disciples. He lifted up his eyes. He saw 5,000 people coming. And the story kicks off from there. 
And this miracle of feeding 5,000 men, not counting women and children, so we can expect that there will be, if there are 5,000 men, there will be at least 10,000 women, 20,000 women. <laughs> I would say maybe 7,000, between 7 and 10,000 women. And I would say between 3,000 and 2,000 children. So we're looking at about 15,000 people to 20,000 people coming to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. And this miracle of Jesus feeding all this multitude of people is the only miracle that was recorded in John and the Synoptic Gospels. So it is the only miracle that was recorded in all the four Gospels. I mean, that is so significant that there are many different miracles distributed across the, um, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the feeding of the 5,000 men was the only one recorded by four of them. And we see that in, if you are taking note, Matthew 14, 13 to 21. You are supposed to just list the rest, friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> so just write it down. Matthew 14, 13 to 21. Then Mark 6, 30 to 43 to 44. Mark 6, 30 to 44. Luke 9, 10 to 17. And of course, John 6, 1 to 15. Now, the, the, why I've tried to list them out for, for us is we should go back and read all the different accounts. You'd be amazed how the different peculiarities of the writers and what they focus on. For instance, John did not talk about Jesus distributing it to the 12 and the 12 distributed it. Just that Jesus distributed it to. So he skipped that bit because of what he was focusing on. Meanwhile, when you read Matthew, Matthew would say Jesus broke it and distributed it to the 12. And Matthew did not say he, he did that for the bread and for the fish. Matthew said as if he did it together. But John said he distributed the bread first, then the fish. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So the purpose of Bible study is for you to just get into the word of God yourself. When we read John 6, 4, John 6 Chapter 4, verse 4, um, the word of God says that it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebrations. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Now, approximately six months has passed from chapter 5. When you look at the events of things. And it was almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Now, if you remember in chapter 2, Jesus was in Capernaum. That's Capernaum. And he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's the first Passover of Jesus' ministry. Now, why is all this why are all these dates important? 
They're important because you and I, we need to be grounded in the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. The second Passover is this one in chapter 6. And the third Passover is the one in chapter 11 when Jesus, the day before Jesus was crucified. So this Passover was about a year before Jesus' death on the cross. So Jesus was at a point when every time there is Passover, Jesus knew that he was the Passover lamb for God's people. So every time there's Passover celebration, it is a reminder for Jesus that you are going to lay your life down for the people. Imagine the emotions you would have been feeling if you knew that you are going to die a day after Passover. Every time they are celebrating Passover, how would you feel? You will remember that, ah, you know, I am going to go at this festival. I am going to go at this festival. So that is the emotion that Jesus was battling as, as, as it were at the time. He needed time away, so he crossed and, and went, went to the other side. And many of us, we, we can't relate to the fact that Jesus will battle such emotions because we are like, is it not Jesus? Are you sure he worried about all these things? Yes, he did. Remember when they killed John the Baptist? Jesus went to the desert. He was, he was, he was troubled. He went for a while. just went away. That was his cousin. That was the guy that went before him. So, so when things happen to us and we actually need time away, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus was at this point in his life and it was Passover and it was a reminder for him that in about a year from now, you are going to the cross. If you think the cross was easy for Jesus, read Gethsemane. Jesus actually went to Gethsemane to negotiate a release from heaven. <laughs> yeah. He says, if, if it is your will, Lord, let this cup pass over me. This is hard. Let it pass. Let it pass. And by the time we get to verse 5, he says that he soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to Philip. He asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? The question is, when I read this, why Philip? Why did he turn to Philip? Why didn't he turn to Peter? Why didn't he turn to Bartholomew? Why did he turn to John? Why didn't he turn to James? And the answer I found out is this, that Philip was from Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethsaida, sorry. And Philip was a local boy. So it's just like Jesus coming to your, passing through your village and you are there and he says, where can we buy food in this place? He's not going to ask me if I'm not from your village. He's going to ask you. So what's the significance of that? If Jesus, the all-knowing God, need local knowledge to function, you need local knowledge. 
There are people in the terrain that you want to do business in. Go and talk to them and ask them, where can we get bread? Jesus did not ask Peter, where can we get bread in, in um, Bethsaida? He didn't ask James. He asked Philip, where can we get bread? Sometimes we mix up spirituality, the, the real purpose of spirituality. We think to be spiritual means that we, we, have, we are of no um, earthly value. That is, there's no value I can get from somebody that is local. We think once I can pray, I will have all my answers. But God will keep that answer in somebody that is local. Remember the story of David when it was, God told him, pursue overtake, and without fail, you recover all. David found a little Egyptian boy. He needed that local knowledge to recover what God had told him he would recover. Praise the name of the Lord. So you and I must pay attention. We must pay attention to intelligence. We must gather intelligence. We must ask questions of people that know the terrains more than us. Jesus was God, but he still had to ask Philip, <laughs> where can we get bread? We are on this side. This is where you came from, Philip. Where can we get bread? If we are in Galilee, I don't need to ask Philip. I know where to get bread. Praise the name of the Lord. Because I am from Galilee. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus had a team. Jesus himself was God. And he, he, didn't, he knew he couldn't achieve his destiny by himself. He needed a team. So when they get to Bethsaida, Philip was relevant. When they get to Samaria, the woman by the well was relevant. <laughs> she was part of Jesus' team. <laughs> She was the one that went to gather everybody. When they get to Jerusalem, maybe them John were relevant. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is as smart as all of us. None of us is as intelligent as all of us. If Jesus could rely on people... <laughs> You need people. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Verse 7. He says, Philip replied, even if we walked for months, we won't have enough money to feed them. And I'm like, ah. What did they ask him? What is he answering? Jesus says, Where? Can we find bread? So like Philip, has God asked you something that is out of this world before we even get into the answering correctly? Anybody here? Has God asked you something outside of this world? Has God asked you to do something? You're like, ah, that's, is that possible? 
I don't need, I'm not saying you should share what it is, because sometimes you don't even want to share it because you think your neighbor will think you are crazy. So, <laughs> but anybody has, has got to do something, okay, just one person as is in my company. My hand is up. God has told me something that is out of this. Okay, more people. I, I, I just need to know. So, sometimes God will, Jesus was seeing multitude of people coming and he was like, where can we get bread to feed all these people? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's back up to verse 5. He says, Jesus soon saw the crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed these people? Again, did he ask Philip how much bread? Well, we are, we are going to, I'm going to get there in a bit. Just like my grandmother would say, put that on your left hand. And let's continue the conversation. But looking at this, Jesus saw people coming. Question, did Jesus ask them to come? Yes or no? Come on. No. Jesus did not ask them to come. Was Jesus expecting them to come? No. But Jesus saw them coming. And the first thing Jesus thought about is, ah, where can we get food to feed all these people? What does that tell you about Jesus? Scaring. Unbelievably. Many of us, in fact, another account, one of the seven says, let them go into the villages and find something for themselves and eat. What's our own business with that? You see, we relate easily with Jesus as our king. But we don't relate easily with the kindness of Jesus. So Jesus is not only king, Jesus is kind. He's not only king, he's kind. He's kind. He's kind-hearted. He didn't have to worry. I mean, come on. People that were coming all the way, shouldn't they take care of their own feeding? But Jesus said, uh-uh. we have to play host to our guests. <laughs> Hallelujah. Five and six. Praise the name of the Lord. Five to seven. Since Jesus soon saw the huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to Philip, he asked, Where? Is it's not this reference. Why do you keep going back to that reference? He, the reference that I had where underlined. I'm, I was deliberately going in a linear fashion. So Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people. Now, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. 
Philip replied, even if we worked for months, even if we worked for a whole year, we won't have enough money. Money. Everybody say money. To feed these people. The, all Jesus asks is, where can we find bread? So we see that Jesus, the Bible says clearly that he only asked Philip to test him. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He knew there was a boy there. He knew that he was going to multiply the bread and fish. He knew what he was going to do, but he asked Philip a question anyway. When God asks you a question, be careful. When God asks you a question, it may be a test. When God asks you a question, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. In fact, like we said, when God asks a question, it's not to bring illumination to him. It's to bring illumination to us. When God asks us a question, it's not to bring answers to him. When God asks you, what is your name? It's not because he doesn't know your name. He wants to show you something about your name that you don't even know. When God asks you, who is your father? It's not because he doesn't know who your father is. It's because he wants to show you a sign or a side of your father that you don't know. When God asks you, who is your husband? It's not because he doesn't know who your husband is. When he asks you, who is your wife? It's not because he doesn't know who your wife is. When he asks you, where is your husband? Like he asked the woman by the way. <laughs> he already knew that she doesn't have one anymore. She has finished all the ones she had. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so back to what I said she put in your left hand. Like Philip, why is it that we like answering questions we are not asked? Have you noticed? People just like answering questions. Nobody is asking them. Why? Why? <laughs> why? I know a few people that are specialists in that. You ask them, <laughs> where is Peter? They say, oh, Peter had a red shirt on today. I'm like, I didn't ask you what shirt Peter was wearing. I just said, where is Peter? Jesus said to, to, to Philip, where can we find bread to buy? Philip said, <laughs> okay, there is no money in our account to buy. Even if we start working, who asked him if we had enough money to buy? So, can someone help me? Why 
Is it that we like answering questions no one is asking? It's been something that's been bothering me of late. And I saw it in the Bible again. I said, even they did it to Jesus. <laughs> I'm in good company. Why? One of the most frustrating things for me as a leader, I asked someone a question and they're giving me elaborate answers that I did not ask them. And I said, Femi, breathe, breathe, breathe. Don't get upset. Listen, maybe the person will, will answer it at the end. Then she finishes all her episode. Did I, did I say, did I say, did you hear my question? And, and, and the person says, yes, you said this, and they're accurate, they heard the question. <laughs> I'm like, you heard the question. <sighs> okay, someone is a hand at the back. Why do we, why do we do that? Why do we frustrate? And we do it to the Lord too, obviously. Philip was doing it to the Lord. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to answer relating to Peter's case. Relating to what? To Peter, to Philip. I think it's because of, we assess things that are before us based on our, the limitations of our own selves. Right. So Peter had, um, sorry, Philip had looked at the people and thought, ha, all these people coming. And he has worked with Jesus. He probably knew that Jesus would say, let's take care of them. So he had thought that, ah, I don't have, money for this kind of... They would say, let us do contribution for the next six months. You know, we can't sort it out. So I think that is something that comes to play a lot of the time. And we think that answering like that, you know, somehow... You are kind of helping the person answer the question. Okay. The guy is uh, disillusioned. He doesn't understand the gravity of what is on ground. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> let me give you... Let me uh, illuminate him. There's, a hand, there's another hand there. Anyone that get the mic first, please go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, spiritually, I think Philip is being carnally minded. He doesn't think of what is master. He, like, he, he's just believing in the miracle that is about to happen. He didn't really remember the kind of person Jesus Christ is, what he's capable of doing. Okay. He's so just answering was... based on the question Jesus asked. Like, probably they are going to literally go and buy the bread from the market. And if I should answer generally, I would say it's just like people are just trying to play smart. Like, let us just bypass all those things. You already know that is not possible, so let me just answer what is crucial. Okay. Okay. Praise the Lord. So, you would agree with me that it wasn't that... Okay, let's, let's have that. Thank you, sir, for your contribution. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, sometimes when people ask you questions, if you provide them an elaborate answer or you provide them an information that they don't have the background on, then their question becomes irrelevant. So, right. sometimes, I'm talking of human beings, I'm not talking of Jesus or pastors, but if you're talking to fellow colleagues or your subordinate and they ask a question and you give them the big picture, the question goes out of the door then to start having that discussion. Yes. So, we ask what we are saying. That he was trying to give Jesus the big picture. <laughs> that there is no money anywhere, Jesus. You know? And that is so important because what you have said, because even if you are given the big picture, when you learn the big picture, you will have answered the question. But these people learn the big picture. They are very gifted. 
No recourse or reference to the question asked. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so you would agree with me that it wasn't that Philip didn't know where the bakery was. Philip, Jesus says, where can we buy? If, if, the, if, if the quantity of the bread was not so humongous in Philip's mind, Philip would have said, oh, bakery is just around the corner. He knew where the bakery was. And it wasn't, it wasn't that <laughs> there was, there would be capacity issues. So let's say the, 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 the bakery in um, Bethsaida where could only break 50 bread per day. And Jesus, we are looking at 5,000 people. If that was the issue, Philip would have said to Jesus, Oga, we, there's no way to get this kind of volume of bread in this area. So it means that he knew where the, bakery, the bakeries were. Number two, he knew that the bakeries had capacity to supply Jesus' quest. But his conclusion was there's no money to buy Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So, (laughs) Jesus was asking where. Philip was answering how. How is it possible? How is it possible? The issue with Philip is not a question of where. Philip knew where. The issue with Philip was a question of how in the world can we afford it? So many times when we are answering the questions we are not being asked, we are responding to the things we don't understand even when we understand the question. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you want to be made whole? I have no man. (laughs) We, We are responding to the question based on our own limitation. We struggle with how as human beings we struggle with how a lot how 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 many times god wants you to define what and we can't define what or begin to operate in what because we are wondering how can these things be the angel said to to mary you will conceive and says how I'm a virgin. <laughs> you know, one of the best things you can do for yourself in your work with God is to leave how to God. That's one of the best things, one of the best gifts you can give yourself is to leave how to God. Leave how to God. You want to feed 5,000 people? Okay. But how? You know, again, 
I mean, as a pastor, I've, I've had different seasons in my life where I say to people, this is what God wants us to do. Initially, I mean, <laughs> as soon as God, God speaks to me and, and tells me that, okay, I want to go to direction. Before now, I, I, I can't wait to, to, to share it. And say, this is what God wants to do. And, you know, I discovered that most people actually thought I was crazy. As in, sincerely. In fact, some people actually called me aside. And said, listen, listen. We, we love you. That's why we are here. Don't tell us big, 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 big things. That is not possible. <laughs> President of the Lord. Now, today, those big, big, big things that they are saying, big, big, big things, they look so small because God has done them. Praise the name of the Lord. People would try to always constrain even God to their own small thinking. Jesus said, where can we find bread? Philip said, we don't have the money. Ah. Who is asking you where? You see, many people have shortchanged their destinies because they think they need money to fulfill their destiny. Many people don't become all that God has called them to be because they think money is a limitation. The day you realize that money is not your problem, that's the first step to fulfilling your destiny. Money is never the problem. (laughs) I kid you not. There is nothing we have done that we could afford to do. And I said to my colleagues, and they're like, oh, but pastor, we don't have the money. Ah, where, where is this going to come from? And I would say to, to them, <laughs> back in the day, you know, Pastor Morlake will be in my office, and she's like, there's no money, Pastor. We want to do this. There's no money. I said, relax. Then I say, I sing a song for her that my grandmother used to sing. I say, Oluwa yo pese, fumbo bo aniwa, eni oni ani, eni ni atula, ese wa fun. Bottom line, it means God will provide. God will provide. And miraculously, God provides. Time passes. We eat another project. She's back in my office. Oh, pastor, there's no... I say, oh, oh, she say, I know. <laughs> you know, 
the, the, the truth, I mean, my wife, the same thing. There are things I'm saying, okay, you know what, let's move, trust God for this direction. Say, but there's no money. Don't worry, God will provide. God always provides. There is nothing, let's give God praise if you want to. There's, 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 there's nothing we do that we attempt for God that we check the bank balance first. Nothing. Nothing. Money is not your problem. Money has never been God's problem. Money is not about to be God's problem. The day you realize that money cannot limit your destiny, you set yourself free. Again, I'm all for contentment. I won't tell you a story, but I'm looking at the time. And I was like, <laughs> there's no time for stories today. <laughs> it's not a day of long stories. There's no limitation in God. And I can tell you stories upon stories upon stories, but let's go on. <clears throat> Someone named William Lane said, the followers of Jesus should always walk, walk, that, that word is not word works, my mistake, at the level of their inadequacy. The, the followers of Jesus should always work at the level of their inadequacies. In other words, we shouldn't be satisfied doing the things we, we are good at. We shouldn't be satisfied being in our comfort zone. Like we've learned, the miracle happens where outside of your comfort zone. So, so many of us, we, we, we struggle to, to stay in our comfort zone. Instead of pushing and pressing the envelope outside of your comfort zone. We do everything to stay in the comfort zone. God is saying to you today, I need you to push the envelope we should live on the edge. If God doesn't show up, we are finished. It's not that if God doesn't show up, we can manage. If God doesn't show up, we are actually in trouble. Praise the name of the Lord. And Philip and Andrew are always mostly together. The same way um, John and Peter and sometimes with James. Uh, so even among the 12, they had friendships, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that are going on. So Philip, every time you see Philip in the Bible, look very closely, you see Andrew. And verse 8 says, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up for his friend, Philip, <laughs> and said, There's a young boy here, with five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that with this huge crowd? The voice translation says in verse 9, I met a young boy in the crowd carrying five barley loaves and two fish, but what is, but that is practically useless in feeding the crowd a crowd this large. Now, 
Philip went further than, sorry, Andrew went further than Philip to show where we can find some bread. But his conclusion was the same as Philip's, which is, this bread is not enough. To fulfill your destiny, you need to find where and live the practicalities of how to Jesus. You want to thank God for the brother's testimony that his wife said, you have this kind of money and you want to use the parents. <laughs> oh God, go and buy land. He found where and God sorted out the how. We need to find where and let God sort out the how. The where was the boy. Where can we find bread to feed the 5,000 men, not counting women and children? Where? The answer is the boy. So the miracle did not happen until Jesus' question was answered. When God asks you a question, the miracle does not happen until his question is answered. The boy is where the bread was. Praise the name of the Lord. When we get to verse 10, Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered 5,000. What's the significance of this? Why would God say to them to sit down? Because God is a God of order. God is a God of order. If you're writing, you need to write that. I'm just moving ahead, assuming you know when to write. God is a God of order. If you check scriptures, God always put things in order. God doesn't like disorder. God always put things in their proper order. Always, all the time. On um, Sunday, we talked about the black man. The black man, in the current expression of the black man, if there's one word to describe generally the black man, is disorder. It's disorder. Someone said that there's a common denominator between all underdeveloped nations, and that is disorder every underdeveloped nation have the same thing running through them, and that is disorder. Disorder is, 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 is so destructive. Totally. Jesus said, tell them to sit down. So the question to you and I is, what can you do 
about the disorder around you? What can you do about the disorder around you? What can you do about the disorder around you? Who wants, to, who wants to help us? What can you do about the disorder around you? Do, are we helpless? You can... Yeah. Um, I think we have to be intentional about it. Um, like in, in uh, times, if you just do the right thing, I mean, you're on the road, somebody is driving one way, and the guy on the one way is telling you, get out of the road, you know? It's so frustrating sometimes, but I mean... What can you to, do about that? What I can do about that is, uh, one, not to be like them. Um, one, yeah. Uh, and... Um, I really don't know. Like, I mean, there's no place to report. I can't call the, the cops to say, come and take this guy. <laughs> uh, sometimes, I mean, if a truck hits them, did, I'll did, be like, well. Did you say cops? <laughs> <laughs> you just came back home. Uh, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. What can we do? A <laughs> lockpa. Police. <laughs> Yeah, we all have um, responsibility, but most importantly, price to pay. So the price I've chosen to pay is that if anybody attempts to shunt where it's inappropriate, I don't let them come in. I go in and they hit my car deliberately, and um, my wife has been gracious enough to help me buy nail polish that is black. I just, <laughs> so, I, so if you go and see my car, I just paint it myself. So that's the price. And I've chosen to pay. And the second Absolutely. price and the second price is that she has told me that if I'm gonna drive like that, then I can't drive a car like that. And I said, Okay, we're good. So second price you are paying is that you are not driving your car your wife's car. Because she won't let me drive it like that. Okay. So that's so that's the big price to pay. You, yeah. have to, you have to pay a price, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we have to be ready to pay the price. That's just the bottom line. And and yes, you have to be intentional about it. Also, if you say, oh, yeah, what will just one person, you know, do? If one person confronts one person, it was some time ago, we finished service. I don't think we were here yet. I think we were a kid. And there was the lane we were on, it was totally blocked. The median was not done. So people can just get on this and go on that side. You know those days, you know? And some people were doing it, and it was really tempting <laughs> because I was tired. But I said, no. So I stayed in traffic. Then all of a sudden, I saw one of my daughters. <laughs> so I was like, eh. So I had a conversation with her. And that was the last time she did that. I will tell you how the conversation went. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <clears throat> we have to. We can't do something. Verse 11 says, Then Jesus took the loaves, 
And when he had given thanks, now listen to what NRSV says, he distributed them to those who were seated. What does that tell you? Some did not sit down. There's some Jewish Nigerians. <laughs> they didn't sit down. And they didn't get bread. He insisted that those that were not in order were not served. You want to do something in church, there's an order to it. You don't want to stay on the line. Forget about getting it. It's not going to happen. Verse 11 again. He says, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather them. Now, they ate as much as they wanted. Every time Jesus provided, he always provided more than enough. They had more than enough. Praise the name of the Lord. They had more than enough. We should shred this scarcity mentality. Even in our homes. There are homes that it is daddy that rations what everybody eats. Something is wrong with that. Let people eat freely. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Let people eat freely. I'm not saying they should be your best. Or overeat. I'm just saying. Even when we have events in church, we plan with that thinking. They came, I mean, we were having a leadership meeting and there were reports that, oh, at the God reading service, some people were taking, um, after everybody had been served, some people came back and took more extra bowls and all that stuff. You know, and, you know, maybe I should have said, um, let's do something about that. <laughs> I'm like, why? If they want to take two, let them take two. Five, they can take five, let them take five. For some people, one bowl, they are full. Some, some people here, they need three bowls. <laughs> Do we get an amen? <laughs> Don't quote me on that day. <laughs> Let everybody get first. <laughs> but the, the key thing is this. God, this idea that God wants you to manage, delete it. This idea that I should ha- you should have just barely enough. What's that? Where's that coming from? Not from God. Not from Jesus, from traditions and doctrines, maybe. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Abundantly. That is God's heart for you and I. Verse 12. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers that nothing be wasted. And they had 12 basket full. Two lessons here. Number one, servant leadership. In Judaism, the leftover is called peer, P-E-A-H, and was gathered and given to the slaves 
and servants that served the banquet. So, who were the slaves and servants that served the people? The disciples, the twelve. So, Jesus was teaching huge servant leadership lesson. That you guys are the servant. And you don't get until everybody has eaten and are full. Praise the name of the Lord. Not that the leaders eat first, then everybody else eats what is left. Everybody has eaten and are full, then the leaders get what is left. <sighs> I see that happening in Nigeria in the name of Jesus. As a nation. And I see that happening in our churches in the name of Jesus. And obviously, the second lesson is, is that God is a God of perfect provision. Perfect provision. You see, the um, kofinos, which is the Hebrew for the baskets, were special kind of baskets. They were like buckets. Twelve baskets full. Exact number of, of, of the disciples. So, not only did Jesus provide for everybody, he provided for the disciples also. Praise the name of the Lord. Problem comes when the people God has given things to break so that it can multiply and God's people will eat, break and begin to eat first. So, so, Peter breaks, ah, this is bread. If I give this boy, he's a very hungry boy. Let me eat first. So I can have the energy to walk around. When Peter does that, if he does, he's short-circuiting the process for abundance. But if Peter obeys, blesses the people, breaks, 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 by the time he's done, he have abundance waiting for him. That's how God works. Praise the name of the Lord. So verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. <laughs> Jesus, welcome. We didn't know you can only heal. We didn't know you can also give bread. We thought you can only heal. When he healed, crippled man 38 years, they didn't say he was a prophet. When he, he healed all kind of diseases, they didn't say he was a prophet. They just found him intriguing. They just wanted to, they liked to see miracles. But when he gave them bread and their stomach was ministered to, you are the prophet. <laughs> You are the prophet, the one we have been waiting for. And now imagine Jesus saying, uh, yes and no. It's not like you think. Oh, no, 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 don't worry. We will see to it <laughs> that you are installed. Now, imagine the influence of 20, 30,000 people. Jesus said, no, my kingdom is not of this world. Your kingdom is of this world. You can give us bread. There's no other kingdom anywhere. 
okay, I need to die. Die. You are not dying anything. <laughs> so, Jesus tried to talk himself out. They did not agree. So, the Bible says that when he saw that they were going to forcefully make him king, he just disappeared. Yeah, like, where's the where's he's gone? Again, the mentality of Mekunu. Mekunu is, is what my grandmother calls the populace, the masses. Is whoever gives us bread is king. And it's still working today. Physical bread. He said, give us bread, we'll vote for you. How does that even sound? But it's in the Bible. That's what people have been doing. Even the person that doesn't want votes, once you can give people bread, you have to contest too. And you will win. You are our man. I'm a politician there. I'm going to win many elections. Hey, Pastor, you're going to give people bread? No, not like that. But I will give people bread. But not like that. Not from a bribery standpoint. If you win and you ensure people have basic... Bread just talks about basic necessities of life. Most people will never complain. Even if they don't become millionaires and billionaires, industries, they're not. It, as long as they can eat, drink, party, sleep. Ah, praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus slipped away into the hills by himself. He didn't even take John and Peter, just zapped. Many people have shipwrecked their destinies by accepting men's promotion ahead of God's timing. Many people have shipwrecked their destinies by taking untimely exit routes. Everybody is saying, I'm so gifted. Everybody is saying, I'm the best thing to happen to humanity. Everybody is saying, oh... They are going to make me king. You know, when, when you should be knowing and learning and growing and you are preoccupied with showing, you are asking for an untimely truncation of your destiny. Praise the name of the Lord. When you should be growing your roots and getting it strong and all you want to do is go on Twitter and let them know you have arrived with different poses of selfies. There's nothing wrong with it. But if this is what you are doing, you're asking for trouble. You know, someone said that um, I was listening to a podcast and the guy was saying, 
I was shocked at the number of 20-somethings and 30-somethings that want to be manifested and shown. He says, that is when you should be growing and deepening your roots. Guess what? When the time of your showing comes, nobody can stop it. <laughs> nobody can stop it. So, we are pretty consumed about packaging. Packaging what? There's no way you will package pure water that it will taste like wine. By, by the time you open the packaging, what will you drink? It's pure water. <laughs> if you allow that water and put it in the hands of Jesus and follow Jesus, Jesus will turn that water into wine. And he will say, give it to the master. Let him taste it. And you're like, wow, there's no wine like this. You know why? That water was submitted to the hands of the master. Submitted to the hands of the master. When you submit to the hands of the master, imagine they're carrying the water that they're supposed to have given Jesus. They gave it to Jesus. Before Jesus spoke, the guy carried the water away. It remains water. It remains water. Go and package it. Give it the best branding. Give it the best colors. By the time people taste it, they say, ah, this is water. This is water. But in, in the hands of Jesus, by the time people taste it, they say, wow. Where has this woman been? Who is this guy? Where has he been? He has been with Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our hearts, let's bow our heads. I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot. But let's talk to God about what we have heard. If you're here, you're like, Jesus, help me. Help me. I want to love you more. I want to be more like you. I want to submit my life in your hands. I don't want to make it about packaging. What's the value of packaging and empty content? There's no value of packaging and empty content. Help me. If you're here, you want to pray, you want us to pray together. I say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I've never given my life to Jesus before. I used to be born again. I've, I've come back. I want to come back to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you wherever you're seated. You don't need to come forward. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. If you have put up your hand, Put up your hand well. Well over your head. Well over your head. Well over your head. I will pray together. Let's talk to God about what we've heard. The rest of us. Oh, Father, we thank you. What a mighty God you are. We can never thank you enough. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family 
and friends. God bless you. Oh.